Welcome to the RPG Podcast. And we are live. Oh, God, Pat! Presented by Sheep. A Time Wheel Production. And we are live. Ladies and gentlemen in the crowd, thank you for joining us. Thanks for coming back to another episode of the Robert Patton Global Podcast. I'm here today with a uh, friend, family member, but also a very accomplished young gentleman, Scott Merrick, the owner of Maya Wealth. Thank you for joining me. Hey, yeah, thank you for having me. Also, it's Scotty Ten. You can follow him on the on all the twitches. <laughs> but yeah. uh, thanks for coming on today. Uh, you got a pretty sweet view there. Are you in your office? I am. Yep, downtown Denver. This is just Union Station right here behind us. So right on 17th and Market. Beautiful. That's yeah. a great view. I uh, very impressive. Uh, what? Made you? Are you in this office? Actually, I can't remember. I I've been to like two of them. This that might be a third one. Yeah, I think this is the third since we launched. Um, so I don't think you've been. I don't, yeah, I don't think you've been to this one. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, I might have went in real briefly, but every office I've been to has been pretty stellar, kind of amazing with all the amenities and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, like a lot of companies are doing that, the workspace, um, like you're working out of a community workspace, but that's kind of what you have going on, but not totally. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, we're kind of open floor plan here. So we're kind of all like in pods out in the open. And then whenever people have meetings or something like this, they hop into one of the meeting rooms and get like five of those. How did you come up? Like, how did you decide to? pick a, a, a like a, you know an office building with that arrangement like how did you go about that just yeah it just feels feels more team environment and it's a lot easier for just all sitting out there and you have a question you just yell at someone like hey can you help me with this or you got a question about that right that yeah. is nice much nicer but so you how you work the typical sort of nine to five yeah pretty much yeah nine to five and then a lot of people work remote though so they might come in one or two days a week or if they ever have client meetings face-to-face they come in but yeah. then especially these last two years everything's done zoom and slack and yeah yeah but you're i mean this is a riveting conversation but you're still paying like this exorbitant rent for these or at least for these this office space even though covid's happening and it seems like a like a wasted almost expense yeah yeah definitely feels that way sometimes especially what was that april through july or so of 2020 was pretty empty around here yeah but you have the nice facilities so that you can kind of um bring in a prospective client and and make them feel like they're in good hands or yeah exactly yeah welcome welcome people here yeah yeah because I mean, I, we just we at Sheath operate out of the house, and we all operate remotely. And I've actually had someone show up to my house thinking it was the corporate office, oh, and uh, ended up signing him. Kind of, he was a special forces guy. Brought him on as a model and did a you know a photo <laughs> shoot and stuff. But it was strange seeing someone pull up to the house but that's what happens when your address is on all of the marketing materials so we need we need to get like a p.o box or something yeah yeah you should probably do that (laughs) (laughs) um so thank you again for coming on a little small talk action what uh i mean the fact that i think you're 30 31 30 yeah big three oh and you are like the head president ceo of your own company you have multiple employees like how does this happen for someone who's so young that doesn't have a father or, or someone you know in the industry to just kind of give it to you yeah I was just always always really interested in finance I remember in college just day trading which we don't do a ton of anymore but we were day trading I was doing foreign currency exchange on like Oanda I think was the platform I don't know if they're even still in business I think they are actually 
Um, so I trading, day trading, for, for, and I started doing the Forex trading uh, just because it would run 24 hours a day. So I could go to classes, go to work, and then go home and still trade when the market would have been closed. Um, and then started a big intern shop my senior year of college just as an intern and then stayed on full-time with them two years after graduating. Uh, and then that's where I met up with my partner, Des. And then we were Shout like, out to Des. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're like, oh man, this is, this is great, but we were really limited in what we could provide for our clients. We wanted to be able to really do more of like a multifamily office vibe for our clients where we could take care of their investments, their insurance, their wills and their trusts, their taxes, all under one umbrella. So then that's why we left that insurance shop we were at to open up a RIA, um, which is registered investment advisory firm. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know if that was like, uh... yeah. And we, we didn't have the capital to go straight into an RA, so we stopped at another insurance shop that was a little bit more open architecture. Uh, stopped there for two years before we were had to bring on the third partner, which was Chandler. Um, yeah. She threw in some capital, which a lot of gave us the money to be able to fully go truly independent, true RA, that now we can fully operate however we see best fit for our clients. Wow. So you started your college, the traditional route. You're day trading. You're kind of trying to do some, something. You wanted something more, right? Yeah. And uh, then you got the intern job from who? What, what, what was that? I imagine that was. Well, that was cool. Northwestern Mutual. Okay. Um, which they get a, they're a great company, really good insurance platform. Uh, they get a bad reputation because they are a little heavy on the insurance recommendations sometimes. There's some people feel that way. Um. So that's kind of, they get kind of pigeonholed for just doing life insurance because that's what their, their whole starting point was, is they did just sell life insurance. That's Interesting. Yeah. I might actually have a policy through them. I'm not sure. You, you might. They, they have a lot of uh, military, especially the Colorado Springs office. Uh, they recruit really heavily from the military and yeah. then they sell pretty hard to that market as well. But... Okay, so you transitioned to an IRA, not an IRA, RIA? RIA, yeah. Ooh, I got it. So and, now, uh, we, now we are more investment focused, or actually I should say probably more planning focused. So a family or a business comes to us, and then we just gather data. So we look at, okay, what do your taxes look like? What do your investments look like? Insurance looks like? Uh, and put that all into one consolidated plan. And then now... If, if insurance is a recommendation, we can shop 80 different companies for a solution there um, or for setting up investment accounts. That's where we are setting up IRAs um, or SEPs or SOLOs or SIMPLES or taxable accounts. And then we're actually taking on the management of those assets for our clients. A uh, little bit of a curveball. Yeah. It just, it just came up. But a buddy of mine called me about three weeks ago and he's our right before the new year. So probably like a month ago, let's say. And he's like, I got $750,000 that I need to do something with before the end of the year or Biden is going to take it. And he started talking about registering as an independent, no, international business corporation uh, in the Bahamas. Yeah. yeah. Have, you, have you heard of anything like yeah. that? So we have a whole tax team. They're actually out in uh, California that help our clients with situations like that and they would know a lot more than I do. Yeah. But yeah we're seeing a lot of, especially like influencers and yeah. people like that moving down, moving out of the U S for tax purposes. The Paul you're, brothers. You are supposed to, you're supposed to be out of the country like six months in one yep. day for that to really be legitimate. So some people we see, yeah, they go down and they're down there and they work remotely from there like Monday through Friday or something. And then they'll come back to the U.S. for Saturday and Sunday to hang out with and not work. So they're not generating any revenue when they're in the U.S. What? It's all generated when they're down wherever. Yeah. Okay. That's a little bit different. That sounds like uh, what the Paul brothers do out of Puerto Rico. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, but and and I've heard of that, but this was a little bit seeming maybe I don't know. It seemed a little bit different where you register as that your international business. So the company's registered in the Bahamas, and uh, I don't know what the regulations are. It probably is very similar to where you do have to live there uh, six months and one day out of the year. But it is interesting how everybody, business individuals, presidents don't want to pay taxes probably. And yeah, just do that by the there's an yeah. occasional person that's like, I don't want to set up wills or trust. I want to just, I do want to leave it all to. Wow. But even if that is your goal, you should probably still set up like a trust and say that that's your goal. Like, I want to leave this to. Yeah. So I would want to accidentally end up somewhere. Yeah. It could, because if it gets sucked into the system, then it could go to some politician's pocket as far as i'm concerned i would want it to go to like a park or something yeah and so you'd want to specify that so it doesn't end up with some like or like some relative that you might not even know comes out of the woodworks or something like that and they claim it or i mean that's public knowledge too if you don't have a trust set up so there are people that just go to the courthouses and pull records like that like oh this person left five million dollars to their state and they have no one claiming it so let's go after that wow yeah that's like treasure hunting yeah. Uh, uh, so, you know, we've been, I think, I was going to say we started around the same time, but I don't necessarily think that's true. But yeah, 2012 was when I started that at Northwestern Mutual. Okay. So, right so what you, yeah, was that? Uh, well, 2013 is when we launched the first Kickstarter for Sheath, um, but we had actually done a pre-launch in 2010 uh, and it was the official launch. That's when sheathunderwear.com started. That's when our Twitter account started. Um, but it was quickly ran into like a roadblock where it put us behind like three years. So there was like a three years time frame where we had to re-figure out how we were going to get it off the ground because my initial production was shit and I couldn't sell it. And so took me three years to kind of figure out how to buy more from a and what did you do with all you just scrapped that or no I went and I went and worked at a tailor and I fixed them all and I learned better how to sew and, and design and come up with samples and and um because the guy that I was working for was like a master tailor and he trained me for a year while I was working his counter and going to college after the army, this is like after the army, I was like 29 or 30. Oh, I was like 34. Time flies. And, you know, so I never really gave up, but that's one of the principles of success is, is never quitting. Cause once you quit, obviously it's over. Have you run into any obstacles where you, you know, had to overcome something? Yeah. So, I mean, Chandler, I mean, we were never really super, concerned about it because we knew what we were doing was a little bit dit or a lot different um, depending on what you're comparing it to. Uh, so yeah, 2017 is when we raised the money from Chandler to start the RA and truly be independent. But then we kind of were running out of money towards the middle of 2018. So then we had to actually raise, raise more money at that time. And so we actually ended up, I can't remember, I think we broke even or lost money that first year, 2018. Um, so that was kind of running a deficit every single month, right? Uh, definitely making a lot less than if we just <laughs> put where we, where we were. But we believed in it, and so that made it pretty easy to stick to it. Yeah, I mean, the vision is key, and obstacles are going to present themselves, and figuring the way around them is... The, your job, you know, as a CEO, owner, businessman, that's what we do every day. And so, yeah, it's like you guys are running huge numbers as far as I, like, can you talk about how like revenue or kind of like anything that indicates yeah. where you're at as a company? Yeah. So we do revenue, I think, we're only 11 days into January now, but I think we've already revenued probably like 300,000 for 2022. Hell yeah. Our, our average month is around, yeah, 250,000, 300,000 of revenue. Uh, Cause we are pretty lean. We only have 
27 uh, employees, contractors at Maya Wealth. And then we try to outsource as much as possible to the best of the best in the industry. So we'll use like a Goldman or BlackRock or Vanguard or whoever to help with the portfolios. Yeah. Um, so then we can charge much lower fees to our clients and kind of keep that, that cost for the clients down. So yeah, it's around 300,000 or so a month right now. Wow. That's pretty, that's, that's right around our, see, that's what I was going to say when this, like, I was like, we started around the same time and it seemed like our trajectory seems to be about the same as we were growing year to year. Cause that's kind of where we're at as a company, but we want like, we're, we want 10 million this year. Like, yeah, gross. yeah. That, I don't know if we'll get to 10 million this year, but yeah, we should probably like 5 million this year and then like yeah. seven and a half or so the next year. And then 10, 12, the following year is kind of our goal. Oh, yeah. I mean, we cut it aim big. It's not terribly reasonable for us to want 10 based on last year's numbers, but based on our growth year to year, um, we're shooting, we're shooting like a little above our annual. We typically double, um, you know, in size annually and it would be a little bit more than double this year, but we're just stretching our goals a little bit and see if we can hit it. Oh, and that's what, that's what I love about your business. I feel like you can kind of exponential growth a lot quicker than a company like ours can. Um, why? Cause of risk. you You can just like, go viral, take off, and just as long as you can get the inventory for it, you're good. For us, if each advisor can really only handle 100 clients, um, so for us to add more revenue, we add more clients, but then each time we're adding about 100 clients, we're adding to go hire and find another certified financial planner, someone who fits the culture, fits everything that we are shooting for um yeah, and that and that raises expenses i mean the more people yeah. you have to yeah so then cost goes up so yeah we're definitely service industries so I, I maybe that's not true but it just feels a little bit harder to really exponentially grow with a service industry compared to a product industry yeah mm-hmm. unless you're an internet web like because those are the ones like the facebook whatever that's a bad example but any kind of like app or something I feel like has the potential to grow because there's no product except digital. True. Yeah. So like a robo advisor would be kind of in our industry that would be, could definitely exponentially grow. I feel, I feel like they could at least like a betterment or one of those wealth front where I feel like they could just bring on a thousand clients overnight and it, they wouldn't even notice it. Where if we brought on a thousand clients then we're, 10 more advisors and yeah 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 you you use betterment though right we do yeah so we use betterment uh definitely for some clients and they're because their technology is awesome they have the automatic rebalancing tax loss harvesting um they're huge so we use them quite a bit and then they could just so they could help us kind of grow quicker without letting the, the service slip up Nice. Yes, absolutely. Automate some things. Automation is key. Um, I mean, it's very helpful anyways. But like speaking of apps, it was brought to my attention that you, when you were younger, developed your own app. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I wonder if that's still alive at all. Um, Yeah, so I was in college before I got into this business. Uh, It was an app called, called Beer Strip. And it was only on the Android because we couldn't find anyone to build it for us on the iOS at the time. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, beer strip. Um, and so, like, as as beer bottles fell on the screen, you would you would catch them, and then we would have a, a model strip on the side. <laughs> okay. Nothing, nothing too revealing. It was all all PG, maybe PG thirteen. Okay. Yeah. So we kept it PG thirteen. That sounds fun. That's that, that reminds me of the, uh, there's this uh, show called Silicon Valley. Did you ever watch that? Yeah, yeah, that was a good show. And that guy that made the the boob detector or whatever, <laughs> the nipple hard, hard oh, nipples. <laughs> this episode is brought to you in part by Element Kombucha. It's a new sponsor. We're very excited. They sent me a care package and. 
I drank them all. I can't even show you. I could show you this empty bottle right here, but uh, it's uh, Element Kombucha. They have CBD uh, um, infusions, THC-free, really tasty blends. You know, kombucha is good for the, the gut bio. So if you have been taking antibiotics, it's always good to take some probiotics. And Element Kombucha is sponsoring this show. They're supporting us. So we're asking you to support them. They actually have really good prices. It's like 10, 15 bucks for a six or eight pack on their different options. They have variety packs, or you can just get the summer vibes blend, whatever you want. It's at elementkombucha.com. Promo code RPG11 will save you 11% on your purchase, and they'll know that we sent you, and we would appreciate the support. Last but not least, sheathunderwear.com. The greatest underwear on the planet. The underwear of legends. The underwear that keeps your balls from sticking to your legs. That's right. This is the best underwear because it keeps your boys cool. Check out she'sunderwear.com. Back to the show. <laughs> well, I, I wanted to I wanted to actually change it and make it more family friendly where it'd be like like apples falling from a tree and like a squirrel or something caught it and then you just get points i wanted to do something to make it more family friendly and go a bit more mainstream but the developer quit on me Alex, yeah i'm still mad about that i think you probably met alex at some point i don't know maybe yeah no i mean businesses are so hard to start and but mo i guess starting it is kind of easy it's the maintaining it and keeping it going, you know. Yeah, especially apps. They're constantly breaking, constantly bugs, have the Android update something and then it doesn't even open anymore. The screen sizes change. It yeah, it was constant. Uh no. That's funny. Um but you so but you were always a hustler. Like so when I was a kid, I was I did I, I was I I was always a hustler too. I did things to make extra money on the side, not necessarily legal so much, but I always had that desire, that hunger for more like that. And, and it seems like you did as well. Yeah. Um, I know, you know, Stacy, uh, my wife and your sister, but she said like when you were a kid, she like there were people to ask what you wanted to be when you grew up. Do you remember what you would say? No, I have no, I have no idea. She remembers all this stuff. She said, you said you wanted to be rich. (laughs) Yeah. And, and you know, that's pretty vague, but, and it seems like a lot of kids would say that. Right. But then when I, I, I've, I'm privy to some of your behind the scenes things. Like I've seen these, uh, documents you've created of your visions and your goals and they're so meticulously laid out and planned out whereas mine are more vague you know mine's like i want to i want a jet you know so i mean in my mind if i get a jet then i've done everything i need to do right because i have a yeah. jet but you're like laying it out in detail step by step it's you know two years six months five year ten year plans um very organized yeah, and I and and you know it seems like you're making progress faster than uh, a, someone like you know myself would have made because of the detail in the vision. That's what I see. I don't know. Huh. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where that is. That Grant Cardone. It might have been Grant Cardone. Uh, I, I actually I was definitely doing goals before Grant Cardone, but in 10x, he definitely was one. That book where he talked about. And I, I don't know if he talks about that. Someone talks about like you have to be very, very specific. Of like you can't even just say this car. You have to say what color of that car. Nice. And, like really envision it to help help get it get it come into reality and also help get excited and stay on and stick to okay. What what are the things that are important? Um, and then 10x that definitely where it's like okay, let's make these goals much bigger than than they were previously. Right, because I remember something about the idea of if you can make $100 in a year, why can't you make 1000 
Yeah. Like, just think bigger. And that's what's fun too. I track all those goals too in Ever, Evernote. So I can go back yeah. and look at, okay, what were the goals? And I think it was even 2014 or 2013. Uh, and that, that was with Des. We were like, okay, if we could each make $100,000 or something. That would be, or I think that was even revenue. I don't think we were even looking at profit. I think we we're like, oh, if we could revenue 200K. So, and we were 50 50 at the time. So it's like, oh, 100K for each of us for revenue. That'd be, that'd be insane. Uh, and now it's like, okay, 300K a month. How do we get that to a million a month of revenue? So it's just kind of crazy to see it change over time. I love that you keep notes like that. I would like to go back through my, I have vision boards and I, uh, a lot of the stuff I've had on the vision board have, has come true. Like, um, holding the UFC belt, for instance, I had like, did you do that? I, I had it. Yeah. I've, I was holding it this, Dang. uh, probably like September sometime I was in, uh, doing a photo shoot in Vegas with Brandon Marino, the UFC champion of the world who's fighting in 11 days in Anaheim where I'm going to see you fight. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and go with my older brother. Awesome. That'd be and sweet. yeah, like, so hopefully he wins. The last time I went to an event where one of our fighters was fighting was Donald Cerrone fighting. I was at, I missed your wedding. Yeah. My wedding was that same night. I remember that. He was fighting Gregor, yeah. right? Yeah. McGregor. And then he was, he lost in like 20 seconds. And I was just like, what happened? What F FML? You've heard that term. Yeah. Just kidding. Was it 20 seconds? Is that what it ended up being? Yeah, it was like a minute and a half or something, oh. but yeah, but still like I, I would have hoped for a much better fight and it's, it's so weird. Like how these opportunities come about and then you put all these expectations on something like that and then it lose, they lose and it's kind of like a kick in the stomach but you business still goes on you know like that was but but had he won the what ifs you beat yeah. McGregor on this yeah. stage and you're representing our brand but you lost so like do you have have any ex um, experiences where you like in business where you were like really hoping for something and then it just like fell short and like like you got because I, I have a couple where it's just like I got a kick right in the gut and, and it stings pretty bad yeah so I mean we have that now so now at this level it's more so focusing on adding advisors more so than where I'm not really out there trying to add Clients. Clients, like an in, in individual client at a time. I mean, I, that's still my favorite part of the job is dealing with clients one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, but more time or more efficient use of time is advisors. And we had an advisor. We were working on a deal for like a year worth or like a year. And he had like $120 million of assets that he managed. Uh, and he was a really nice guy, really sharp guy. So we've been a good addition to the team. And it would have added – immediately overnight like an extra million dollars of revenue because he already had he's already revenuing that um and we were all ready to go like lawyers done everything done comes up here to this office actually right here i was probably sitting in this chair <laughs> and then the deal just blew up and he's like he's like nope i'm not i'm just gonna because we were i we needed a succession plan for okay this guy's 60 or whatever he is like He's going to retire in 65. Who's going to take over his clients? Uh, so we had an advisor that we were going to have do that. And they just kind of butted heads. And we thought they would mesh really well, but they kind of butted heads a little bit. And so haven't heard from the guy since. Oh, no. Did you yeah. fire that advisor? <laughs> no, he's still a good. He's a good advisor. He's a good guy. But we, he definitely could have handled that conversation a little differently, probably. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that he, reminds I mean, his perspective was let's get it all out on the open now um, instead of it being an issue down the road. That sounds like someone I know who just tells all the dirt so that you don't find out later, you know? Yeah, but I think, okay, work together. With the, I mean, what we don't even know what things are going to look like in five years. We don't know what, the, I mean, we don't know what fees are going to look like in five years. We don't know yeah. what anything's going to look like in five years, so... I think you work together for those next five years, build rapport, and then hash out the details of 
how much you want to sell the business for or whatever. Right. And you yeah. can, yeah, exactly. You adjust, you <clears throat> could figure it out as you go along. Like yeah. Those, I think, those. I think one was trying to lowball, and I think one was trying to get the high. And I right. think really the real numbers that talking to them individually, their real numbers they had in mind were a much smaller gap to bridge than what they were presenting. So I think, I think they were a lot closer to than they will ever know that they were. Yeah. That's frustrating. Wow. Cause I had like, um, I was just in negotiations with Tim Dillon's management and Tim Dillon's a comedian and he just had Joe Rogan on his podcast yesterday. And so last night I was in bed, like kind of punching myself a little bit, not like kicking myself. I was just like, because I was lowballing, they were highballing. I sh- coulda, shoulda, woulda accepted the lowball. Um, I don't know. <sighs> Their highball. Well, it wasn't even. They were actually. He was actually giving me a, according to him, a discount because the mm-hmm. high price per spot on Tim Dillon is sixteen thousand dollars for a one-minute ad read, and he was giving it to me for half. And some other stuff, but like it was still double from what I paid in 2021. So I was like, you're going to double it? Like, yeah. And I was feeling like we have this relationship. I felt, I don't know. I felt like I could negotiate. And ultimately, I was like, you know what? If you can get that much, just go ahead and take the money and um, we're going to, we're going to like move on basically. Yeah. but then I see Tim's on Joe Rogan and Joe Rogan's on Tim. And I'm like, um, and like Joe Rogan is like the pinnacle in my mind of media. Yeah. And like, if I, it's like, I could have had Tim with Joe on and that's, it's kind of like something I really wanted. And then I blew it by being too difficult with the negotiations or whatever, even though at the time, the only uh, dealing with the information I had at the time, I feel like I made the right decision, but now seeing what happened subsequently. And I'm like, so uh, I'm like, Oh, yeah, that's always hard. Is that, so is that typical where there is, you do have to kind of say a low number and then they work you up to a higher number. Is that kind of typical in that? It's, it, it actually is pretty standard. It's like set, um, based on CPMs, it's like cost uh, per million, or and the million is actually a thousand, but it's like twenty five cents per thousand views, and it's like the average views that they get per video or something. Right, and he was projecting for twenty twenty two, and in my mind, I was like, he's not he's not hitting those numbers right now, like, and he's nowhere close to hitting those numbers, and we're not hitting our numbers, so I'm not going to double because then we're going to be losing money. And then next thing you know, he's hitting the numbers. And I'm like, <laughs> I should have, could have, should have, would have. But it, it's, you know, so it's all last night and today it's been a little, it's like been this mind fuck where I'm like, okay, I, I want to be okay with losing out in that opportunity. And I'm trying to make, make it make sense in my mind, like, because there's but there's nothing I can do. I can't go back in time and, um, and you know the the ideas they're like, well, you'll have that money to uh, to put on someone else that's c- coming yeah. up or and someone else might come up that now you have yeah. to like or well and and there you go. So in that in this book we just finished reading called Think No uh, the Science of Getting Rich. I thought you were about to say think like a monk. I was like, oh, uh, think like a monk. monk. <laughs> yeah, I, I still have that book downstairs. Actually, it's, I don't know why that book was kind of giving me this weird like brain. Oh yeah, you like, said that. Yeah. yeah, it was making me think weird thoughts. I don't know. It was kind of strange. And I because I feel like I do. I meditate twice a day. I yo- do yoga. I work out. I don't know. Like, I, I'm trying to be monkish, but uh, maybe I need. I should have maybe skipped forward to another chapter, but with regards to the science of getting rich, which I highly recommend, it's a tiny little book. You can read it in like three hours, but I I recommend reading it over a course of a few weeks, but it talks about when an opportunity, like when you want something and you don't get it, you know, like you wanted this job 
and it didn't you didn't get the job you're supposed to still like remain grateful and and have gratitude and a positive attitude because the it says like the universe knows better and if you just stick with it a better opportunity is going to come down the road where if you took that previous opportunity or if it, you know you wouldn't have had the chance to take advantage of the other opportunity and so i'm trying to like be hopeful that another opp- and it will another opportunity is going to present itself and that will will take that one i yeah. guess yeah i definitely i believe in that as well yeah i think i wonder if i read that book i shall read it if i haven't i'll go scroll through my audible and see if i've listened to it it's so good and yeah i would maybe even listening to it is better because but uh it's old it's it's dated but the it's like richest man in babylon i think they or this seems more like mindset focused like almost like the secret is it more like that a little bit like the secret sure yeah in fact uh one of the one of the in the movie the secret one of the people telling their story I referred to this book, which is why I read it. Really? And he had, he got in a plane crash and he, uh, he was in the hospital and he couldn't speak, but he was thinking and he was trying, he couldn't like communicate to the doctors and the nurses. He could see them, but he couldn't do anything. He, all he could do is think. And he's like, if I have my mind, then I can, I have something. And, and, and he's just like, breathe, take deep breaths. And, and he started taking these deep breaths and slowly but surely he was able to move a pinky and then you know he he never fully recovered yeah but he mostly recovered he's had like a weird kind of voice because he crashed crashed a plane and so he had some kind of tricky thing happening but he was you know he he used his mind to get better and you know, like it talks about the power of the mind and how we have the power to influence the universe. Because they say, they say that God says we were created in the likeness and image of God. And and other like success books say we are all one, right? We're all one. If you take mushrooms or something, you'd be like, we're all one. It's all love, you know. But in the book, so if there is this universal mind and we're created in the image and likeness and we have the potential to affect the universal mind through our mind it kind of talks about how we have that ability through impressing upon this think it call it he calls it a thinking stuff and like every the whole everything is made of this thinking stuff like right here it's all right here the thinking stuff and if you just visualize what you want and put it out there like that's the first start of course you have to take action but everything yeah. starts with a thought right conceive believe achieve and but I mean, and you you read a lot of these types of books too, right? Yeah, I actually just finished up. As you're going to, I was just finished up Will, uh, Will Smith's autobiography. Oh, and it was actually really good. And I did the audio version of that as well. And he narrates it himself, and there's music, and it was really good. And he he kind of talks about a lot of mindset mindset stuff, like it's brick by brick. No matter what happens, you wake up the next day, lay the next brick. Um, you're starting a business, just control. It's kind of, I took it as kind of just control what you control and just always moving forward, kind of no matter, no matter what's going on around you or just kind of, yeah, it's pretty good. He's great. He recommended a book called, uh, the alchemist. Yeah. I think he mentions that in the, in this book again. Yeah. Have you read it? Is it good? I, I I don't think I've ever, I haven't read it though. Oh, I've read it couple times in fact stacy just read it my wife uh like yesterday she finished it yesterday and that's kind of why it's on my mind but also you brought up will smith and I, and he like specifically um suggested it to me i was in a, watching a youtube video and he was like it's a short read it's quick you can read it in, a, in like a day and you can that one also so good such a good yeah. one I need to read that. He also talks about in this book, Will, he talks about uh, the hero of a thousand faces. And I've now heard that mentioned. I think it's Ray Dalio or Carl Icahn, or I hear it mentioned a lot after, or Tim Ferriss. I hear it mentioned like by Tim Ferriss. I hear it mentioned by like some investment person, whoever it was, and now Will Smith. So it's like that book seems, seems to be a 
What is it? Of a, a thousand faces? Like zero of a thousand faces or something like that. Uh, so that's all, I just bought it. Um, I can actually check now. Oh, it's a book? Yeah. Okay. But I'd read Will before that. Yes, Will. Oh, What's Will that? is good. Well, and then there's this other book I'm reading, which I'll recommend. It's called Limitless by Jim Quick. Quick, yeah. Uh, I've seen his stuff. Yeah, it's, I mean, so far so good. And I think he talks about working with Will Smith. It's all connected. Yeah, then, and then Jay Shetty of Think Like a Monk, he works with Will Smith like an hour a day or something crazy, like five days a week. Whoa. Up and go through mindset stuff. And Will Smith talks about that. Uh, he goes on Jay Shetty's podcast on purpose. And the Will Smith interview on, on purpose, really good. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. There's a lot of stuff here. I've got to take notes here. Will Smith. Um, what's it called? What's the podcast called? On purpose. I think it's the number one podcast in that that space. Okay. Whatever that space is. Self help, maybe. Something like that. Yeah. We're trying to get there. This this is a self help sort of space. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Where do you put this out? Is it, are you putting it kind of YouTube uh, or where are you putting it? Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, and I think that's it. Yeah, that's awesome. Podbean. Yeah, we, I want to get one going too for helping people answer simple questions about what's the difference between an IRA and a Roth IRA. And for, there's a lot of people doing that, but I, I watch some of those and they're really good and entertaining, but there's a lot of, misinformation out there it's so it's i mean it's it's intimidating to think like okay there's a a thousand people already out there doing this and now i'm going to jump into the mix um so my my uh advice would be just do it anyways right and just start doing it and keep doing it and then and have fun you know like have fun for yourself Worst case scenario, something like Gary Vaynerchuk would say, you're documenting your journey and you will you can look back on it when you're 80 and see. That's kind of a cool way. Yeah, just kind of do it yeah. just for even that would be kind of cool. Yeah, exactly. Because so, I, I find myself sometimes questioning, like, what are you doing? You know, like, who do you, who do you think you are? <laughs> uh, you Joe Rogan or whatever. Uh, and But I'll, uh, it's like my Twitch usually, channel, I get like, Four, four people watching. Yeah. Like League of Chess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Watching you whoop me, whoop me at chess. Dude, I was I went on a streak of chess, and I was up to 800 as my score on chess.com or whatever, my ranking, but now I'm, I'm dead back down. But I do have some good – I already talked to you a little bit about it, the, uh, the scholar's checkmate. And, yeah, you said you're bringing the queen out early. Yeah. And I'm going for the four move check move, and then what are you doing? You're coming across to take the pawn, like you come out to whatever, and you come across and take the pawn. But it depends on what counter move they make. And there's some counters that they make where it's like, okay, they're now I'm learning, like they're already hit to this. Let's not even try this because ultimately it'll end up backfiring and you waste a lot of moves. Yeah, or you, yeah, you lose tempo because then you end up just having to bring the queen back to where she started. Yeah, I know. I tried that against you that one time, and I could have easily just taken your rook, and then I could have taken a pawn or knight or something. But I just <laughs> <laughs> screwed up and went the other way and got like a pawn, maybe. And that was it. Yeah, it's a, a practice, and I, I almost feel like it's a waste of time. Honestly, I don't know because you have this concentration. And please prove me wrong or whatever. Like it, it, it's fun, so there's that. I, I enjoy it, but now I'm playing like for a couple hours a day and it's like I have a bunch of emails probably some people need responses to. Yeah. I got a pile of papers I need to go through. Well, I've heard our I've heard conflicting arguments on that. I've heard getting good at chess does nothing but get you better at chess. Other people say it helps train your mind to focus and train yeah. strategy and thinking ahead and well, I don't know, whatever route you want to believe there. No, I like your second route. At least yeah, I would rather leave that, and then you don't feel good, feel guilty playing two hours a day. Yeah, 
And another thing, though, that I love doing, which is another reason why I like doing the podcast and recommend you starting yours, is that purpose right there, the focusing, the engagement. And uh, it really is an exercise in communication. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. like, okay, so this is a question, random, slightly, but you listen to some podcasts and are they like question and answer or are they conversational or kind of a mix of both? And what do you prefer? Mainly conversational. Uh, I obviously listen to a lot of finance ones. So like the creative planning president guy puts out one. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's down the middle. I listen to that. I listen to Morningstar, Wall Street Journal, some of those. But then the for fun ones are like Joe Rogan, or recently it's been more like Full Send. Oh, wow. Like you Full Send had Dana, Dana White on it, which was really interesting. Yeah, um, they're having crazy guests. They, they got Antonio one. Brown on right after the whole getting cut from the Bucks thing, so that was interesting. Uh, what else did I listen to? This, yeah, so it's more long. And then a lot of the finance ones, just because if I'm considering getting into doing some sort of podcast, I want to see what what's out there in the personal finance space. So listening to some of those. Okay. Yeah. I like, I like the conversational ones just cause it's, you know, I, I don't know why we like listening to other people talking. There's gotta be some benefit. I think, and I, cause it's like, why don't you just have the conversation yourself? But sometimes I don't, I'm like, I'd rather just listen. Yeah. Well, I feel like I'm not, I feel like you can learn a lot just from hearing people's different perspectives. Like even listening to something that's the complete opposite of what you believe, just listening to it, yeah. hear the perspective more. And yeah. So I don't feel yeah. like I'm wasting time if I sit down and listen to an hour of full send, <laughs> even though if you watch their other channels like Nelk, it's, Oh yeah. It's they're kind amazing. Of, <laughs> they're kind I of saw them. I saw them rough. a couple of, like uh, last month, or I guess maybe it was December or November. Uh, we were oh, in, yeah, they were out here. They were out here in Denver, yeah. Yeah, and Dana White was there. It was, and I, I went to a fighting event, and uh, they were there with Dana White. And I, I, I was like, I was like, Nelk. Yeah. They looked over. They looked over. I was like, I see you. And then they, they I saw that. Like, yeah. Yeah. So that, that was good cool to see that sheet that was everywhere at that one. Yeah, that was a big one. The, all the yeah, you, girls. Is that like the main sponsorship in? Because you guys had it everywhere, like decked out. Yeah, we do, but it's a smaller organization. That's LFA, the Legacy Fighting Alliance, and they're the feeder league into the UFC. You know, does so UFC like, own that still, or because it seems like Dana White was supportive of it? It's it's in the mix. I don't know if they own it, but they are friendly. You know, uh, organizations. They all work together to build the sport. I guess because he doesn't seem to work well with like Paul brothers no and he doesn't the, seem to like them or it seems like he likes one i can't or jake but or he doesn't like jake but likes logan yeah they're they were going at it as they have been and jake kind of tore him a new like in in a recent response to um dana white you know saying that jake paul was on performance enhancing drugs and then Paul was saying Dana White was doing cocaine and oh, yeah, yeah it, that's what it was yeah it was and and he kind of made Dana look a little silly I was thinking in my opinion I was like whoa he kind of just owned him because <laughs> of the way he's talking about you know paying the fighters more and he's just I know it's it's easier said than done hey why don't you just pay your fighters more well hey trying to run a business and keep it going for a long time yeah, and trying to grow it and trying to reinvest in other things yeah. yeah and but you know so it's easy to say you know pay them more but like what is what is a, i don't know that's a debate that they can have and I, I i you know it's like bernie sanders saying pay people 15 dollars an hour or whatever and then it's like okay but then we got to charge more is less so like i don't know it's a yeah. more complicated than really just saying the number. Sometimes it's a lot harder than people think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, sure, I can pay you that right now, but then what if sales go down and then I'm stuck paying? You? I can't take it back. You exactly. Know? Yeah. Because that's yeah, the hardest thing is giving people a raise and then be like, "Oh, you kind of need to take that back." Well, people probably think that with underwear too, thinking 
like pricing could be different or comp could be different, but like when you really get into the margins, there's not any business. I mean, the margins are, or I guess probably not any, but the, yeah, like ours were like 20% or something is the margin. Yeah. And, and our goal is never really to grow that margin, but we want to leave enough margin there. If we do have a 2008, 2001 markets down 20%, we don't want to have to lay off people or get out of this lease or we don't want to ever be in that type of spot. Yeah. No, if the market's down 20% of our revenue essentially could go down 20% as well. So we're, we're directly tied to that or like you sales could go down. Yeah. Same, same thing. What are you directly tied to? What did you say? The mortgage something? The market. Yeah. Market, yeah. yeah. So if we're and not, if, we're, if our clients are losing money, then our revenues go down as well. And a lot of our costs are fixed. Like the office is fixed. Or a lot of our support staff, W2 salaries are fixed. Um, a lot of this stuff. So a lot yeah. of software expenses are fixed. So, yeah. So you have to account. And so, and the market has done nothing. I mean, done nothing but go up for quite a while now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been a crazy, crazy couple of years. Yeah. And everyone thought it was going to go down when Biden got elected. Not everyone, when Biden got elected, <laughs> yeah. but I uh, didn't. And so yeah. it's like, what is happening? And will it ever, can you give your opinion or kind of thoughts on, on the future of the market? Yeah, the I think my, our opinion or stance on that is no one really, really knows whether the market's going to go up or down. Whoever's in office, market goes up, up 70% of the time, seven out of 10 years. If you look at since 1920s, um, right. seven out of 10 years on average, if you're looking at a one year period of time, the market's gone up. If you look at like a five year rolling period of time, it's gone up 80% of the time. Um, so yeah, you could invest today and it could go, you could have another 2008, 2001, but as long as you're looking at five years, you're going to come out ahead 80% of the time. But if you're looking at like a 15 year period of time, historically 100%. speaking, yeah, historically speaking, I mean, past performance, no guarantee of future returns and all that, but a hundred percent of the time over a 15 year period of time, historically speaking, the markets, you've made money. Um, what if, just by what if, buying diversified low cost ETFs. Um, so buy some like us large cap, small cap, mid cap, international developing, and then rebalance that occasionally to get back to the, the mix that matches your risk tolerance and your goals and your objectives. So that's really what we're always figuring out is, okay, like how much money does the client have? What does their budget look like for saving? Um, and so how much risk do they need to take? What return do they need to get in order to hit those goals? Um, and then do they want to dial it up or dial it down from there? Yeah. And then looking at long term, people who are trying to time it, that can be, I mean, you could come out ahead and crush it and buy Tesla, whatever. Yeah. Go the other way. Yeah. It's always a gamble, it seems, but not so much, actually, if you do the long game. But yeah, if you're looking at 15 years out and you're diversified, low cost ETS and rebalancing it, you should, you should do all right. What about the interest rates and how that would affect, like I, there's like talk of them raising the interest rates and then they don't or. Yeah, we're in a pretty unique situation where with rates as low as they are, markets as high it is, um, as much money that's been put into the market. Um, so no one again really knows how that's gonna play out. Um, and we're, see with inflation, people are arguing so that with all the money being put out there, inflation might continue at the crazy, I mean, crazy high yeah. that we've seen. Yeah. Although 6% is not that that crazy. Um, just yeah. because of how low it has been, we're kind of just catching up. Uh, but all, the other argument of that is with technology, the cost to maintain our standard of living that we're used to here in America is going down. Because if you look at a hundred years or even 20 years ago, having, being able to do this conversation with this webcam, with this mic, with over the internet, with gigabyte speeds was pretty unheard of, or if it did exist is extremely expensive. Right. Now anyone with a 
iPhone, iPad could do do this. So like the yeah. cost of maintaining our standard of living is going down. So then that would drive inflation down, actually. I hope so. Yeah. So who knows where we are at with that? I don't know. And then on the on the cryptos, I heard you were kind of tinker t- talking about maybe getting t- yeah. tipping your toe in there or whatever. Yeah, we like having it for some clients who have already done a good job. They're already maxing out their IRAs. They're maxing out their four hundred one ks. They have their emergency fund. They have a buffer built up. They want to play around with it. Throw throw two percent, five percent of your investments towards Bitcoin, Ethereum, whatever you're into. Um, or if you want to be more conservative, you could buy something like block B L O K. And again, this is you, it fits your risk tolerance. It fits your long-term objectives. And then that's, that's investing more in like blockchain technologies instead of a specific crypto, like Ethereum or Bitcoin. Yeah. And you'd be, if you dig into the companies that they're actually investing in, it's kind of funny what some of them are. It's like PayPal. And like Square and ah. companies like that are the ones that are really heavy in that space. Interesting. I can't think. Didn't Square change their name? I can't even. Or they're talking about changing it to Block, or I can't remember. But yeah, uh, I'm not sure. Interesting. Square. I know like the Cash App and Square and Venmo and PayPal. The um, yeah, they're like divert. Well you can buy cryptos on some of those apps and even like Rob, a lot of the apps, Robinhood, all these yeah. different apps. Yes. Yeah, so we think it makes sense for a portion of someone's portfolio. Yeah. If they're into that and they want that exposure and they're willing to take the risk of like anything. It could go against you. Yeah. Mine's going against me at the moment. I don't <laughs> <laughs> like what is happening. Like, uh, but it's not that far down. Because which and ones are you in? Are you you're in Bitcoin, Ethereum, Bitcoin, Doge? Ethereum? Not so much Doge. I, I got out of ADA, but I bought back in a little bit recently, just a tiny little bit. There's something like Solana or Solera. Yeah. Um, I and I, I bought that Shibu Shibu. Yeah. Back when it was, I'm I'm way I'm like a thousand percent up on Shibu, but I only put in like a thousand dollars. So okay. Maybe not a thousand percent, like seven hundred. That's so, that's so pretty good. Yeah, it is. And it's fun. And that's why everyone's like dumping their money in there. But, you know, like I'm, and so and what I'm doing is I'm playing like the long game. I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm done day trading with these because at first I was, and I made probably a hundred grand. I don't even know, like something pretty ridiculous over the past five years playing around with cryptos. But, yeah. Now I'm like, it's going down and typically I would have sold and let it go, whatever. But I'm now I'm like, I see the trends. And so what I do is when it goes down, I buy. And then I, mm. but lately I've been buying, it's been going down, I buy and then it goes down further and I'm like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's not really that long of a track record with those things. So when I'm talking about 15 year rolling numbers with like the market going up, Historically, 100% of the time in a 15-year period of time, you don't really have you don't really have data like that for these cryptos. So, no, it's very risky. I mean, a lot of people making a lot of money if the ones they got in early enough and time to exactly. rise. There's a lot of people losing a lot of money too that probably aren't as vocal. Right. <laughs> like the it's people who put in at the peak are down 30% or something. They're probably not as vocal as the people who bought in when it was two dollars. Bitcoin or whatever it was. Wow, that would have been yeah. amazing. Yeah, uh, but well, and we're we're coming up on time. I won't keep you too long. But yeah. like you were, you were, uh, you were day trading in college. Like, did you make money doing that? Were you good at it? I saw it more of just kind of learning experience. Okay. I, I was never. I was. I mean, I was trading. Well, I was. I don't recommend this at all. I was trading like 50 to one leverage. So if I had like a thousand dollars in the account, I could be trading like $50,000 worth. Uh, and that was on the Forex. So I was trading, I can't even remember. I could have actually pulled my notes. I have them in Evernote. So that's nice. I can always pull up. I was trading like yen versus what dollar and dollar versus 
town. Like, wow, that was fun. Uh, I don't know if I ended up actually, I, I didn't even really care or track it at the time. I was more so just doing it too. I doubt I made money. Right. I should actually, I should actually go pull that up to see if I could see if I ended up coming out ahead or not. That's funny. Yeah. Um, so you made it all the way to, you're in this high rise in the middle of Denver with a great view. I see a, some stuff back there, a crane. They're yeah. Building more construction um what's you know 10 years from now what do you what do you want to what do you what are you looking where do you, where do you want to be so we have 27 or 30 people now involved at Maya. i'd like to get it to grow it to 100 or so in the next 10 years managing i mean this is a five-year goal but yeah i think within five years we'll get to about 100 Keep up Maya as the goal and a billion of the assets under wow. management that we're managing and then a million a month or so of revenue. Hell and yeah. doing that though without ever trying to really always trying to really focus on providing true comprehensive planning for our clients, um, being truly independent, so not incentivize to sell a certain product or anything like that. And then really providing top-notch service for our people, yes. our clients and our advisors and our staff as well. I'm really focused on that as well. And that wouldn't be, that's not like hedge fund level money. That sounds like hedge fund. I don't know. Some of these hedge funds don't. So some of these hedge funds only manage a few hundred million. A lot of them do, but their fee structures a lot higher. So their clients are paying much, much higher fees than we do. So like the average, the typical hedge fund structure is two and 20. So they charge 2% base across the floor. And if they make you any money, they take 20% of whatever they make. Wow. So we're, we're under 1% for our average client. We start off slightly higher than that, like 1.2%, but then it goes down for the clients. And then we have zero other, there's no account fees. There's no trade costs. There's no performance fees. So we don't have any of that other stuff that some of these hedge funds have. So that's how they can revenue and the hedge fund managers themselves can just crush it yeah, <laughs> yeah having yachts and shit yeah we've ran the numbers if we charge like hedge funds do them it's like geez our revenue would be 5x in like year especially years like last year where the market's up 30 percent or whatever ended yeah it's crazy but this is what sets you apart and this is why people are joining your firm right? exactly yes yeah because we, we're focused on trying to lower fees instead of <laughs> how do we maximize revenue I know one of your clients that I spoke to made a pretty penny, like doubled their investment. <laughs> um, it seems like, and I don't, I don't, it was like over a couple of years or something, but yeah. I think the market was maybe doing that for everybody. I don't know. Yeah. The market's been really good yeah. the last few years. So that, that definitely helps. Well, I definitely recommend my wealth to any listeners and uh, watchers kind of interested in, investing and and uh getting more information on that they could contact you or your firm to get more information yeah that'd be great mywealth.com mywealth.com that's it it's the way to M hear more i no m i a no m a i a yep <laughs> m a i a yeah roman roman goddess of growth there you go yeah See? We were doing shoe dog about Nike and Roma's got a victory at the time when we came up with the name. So I like it. It's kind yeah. of got a mystical aspect to it and we can use all the help we can get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the gods, gods bless us with whatever you, you know, with yeah. mass, massive wealth, please. And health and wellness and love. And, you know, it's not all about money. It's about, mm -hmm relationships and inner peace and you know helping others and stuff like that so the more money we make the more we can do all that i feel that's my philosophy yeah more you can get back more yeah yeah you can do do a lot a lot more with it exactly so that's the goal we're going to make as much money as we can so we can help the world and the people around us and ourselves a little bit in the process it sounds good. I sounds like it. Great. Yeah, this is a fun, fun time. Good chatting with you. Yeah. Yeah. It went by really quick. 
we typically just chat. So I appreciate you playing along. I didn't have like I don't have like a format per se. We just talk about what's relevant at the time and uh, see if any. Hopefully, people get something out of it because you know, for both of you or all of you out there watching, the two of you, uh, <laughs> we both have successful businesses and we've built them from the ground up and we're trying to share that with others. I've, and my, that's what this podcast is about anyways, is trying to get help other people learn that they can do it for themselves. And uh, so hopefully that happened today. And um, thank you for coming on. Yeah, we thank will, you for having me. Yeah, love the view. I'm very proud of you. You're doing great. Keep up the oh, good work. Thanks. Stay positive. And um, we'll have to do it again, you know, every so often annually or so check in Let's and then we do can it. Look, look back when we're 60 and laugh we'll get ours going and have you on there as well i'd love that i would love that and yeah and i'm invested in with the firm just uh for you guys's information so i have some money and so i definitely recommend it and you know you can at least get some questions answered so yeah. and follow him on uh twitch it's scotty 10 it's scotty 10 the twitch uh, which yeah. channel? Rocket League and chess. <laughs> yes. It's a good time. You're a good dude. I wish you all the best. All right. And, thank you, man. And all of you out there, I wish you all the best. Whatever I want for myself, <clears throat> all the good things I want for you as well. So let's make this world a better place and have some fun in the process. We will see you next time. It's the Robert Patton Global Podcast. <laughs>